Yeah, man, what a beautiful church. You guys are 24-7. You guys are ridiculous, man. You guys are ridiculous. If you understood the level and the quality and the anointing of worship that came from this pulpit, that came from this front part of the building. Oh, devotion moves Jesus, man. Sometimes I feel like Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus transformed and Peter saw the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah. And I'm so scared to open my mouth because I might say something completely retarded, like, hey, let's build a tent. (laughs) But sometimes there's no words when the King of Glory comes. There's no word on my lips that can justify or glorify Him enough. There's a thousand melodies that I could sing, but none is worthy of His praise, of His glory. I can shout, I can scream. But He is worthy. He is so worthy tonight, church. I want to honor your beautiful, beautiful pastors. They're not just pastors. They're apostolic leaders in this nation. And I said it this morning. I'm here as a son. I'm a son of Jubilee. But I come to serve you guys as a son. I come to release what the Lord has placed on my life so that you might be equipped and set on fire so that you can take nations. And you will not understand the weight of this weekend until you stand in the promise of that land. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. <laughs> so I want to honor you guys. You guys are so beautiful, so precious. And Connor's right. We are family. Um, we're more than family. We're soldiers preparing for war. We're lovers preparing for honeymoon. We're dancers getting ready to dance. We're Levites getting ready to worship. Mm. I realized why David Hogan always says Jesus is king. Because nothing else, you can't get anything else out. But Jesus is king. <clears throat> so I honor you guys. You guys are so special and so beautiful. And thank you for hosting us so beautifully this weekend. Um, as Connor mentioned, Khadre is here with me. I, I basically brought him to find a wife. <laughs> are you a picture? Uh, sorry, man. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a barcode at the door. You can just scan like Zapper. Get his number. Come on, God is so good. And so my wife and I lead a ministry called Relentless Pursuit Ministries. It's, it's, um, it's a bunch of people that wildly love Jesus. I'm one of them. And um, it's awesome when you step into a place. I've ministered in many places and you have to, I, when you get up to minister and, and the worship sucked and you have to, Really, I'm being honest, and you have to work hard when you preach. 
I don't have to do nothing. Jesus is here, man. <laughs> that the worship, you don't understand. I wish you could see what I see. I wish you could stand in my shoes and see the nations that's going to be touched from this house. I wish you could see the families that are going to be transformed. I wish you can see the orphanages that are going to be empty. I wish you can see the evangelists, the pastors, the prophets, the apostles, and the teachers that are going to be equipped in this house. I wish you can see the start of the greatest awakening that this nation has ever seen. And so my wife and I lead this beautiful, precious ministry that the Lord is completely undoing us every weekend. Every weekend I find myself face down on the ground knowing that I'm not worthy to walk in the things we are walking in. That God chooses to demonstrate His grace only because I love Him. And I said yes. And I'm bold enough to believe it. And I want to say to you tonight that this is the last time I'm going to be calm and collective. So you need to get like David, take all my clothes. You know. <clears throat> the, re the reason why I'm taking long and why I'm, why I'm moving slowly is because I want to be sensitive to Holy Spirit. There's such a presence of God in front here. There's so many powerful angels in front. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, and so my, my church loves you, love you guys greatly. Your music is played on, in our cafeteria, in our coffee shop, and we, we play it at our prayer meetings. Um, we sing it in our showers. Who is this King of glory? Oh, <laughs> Kadra's laughing because he knows it's true. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, my position in the shower changed when you guys released that Antioch song. Then it was like this. <laughs> and my wife came in and she's like, oh my God, what the heck is going on? It's the glory of the Lord. Yeah, that's a dangerous song, that man, goodness. So this morning I gave, who, who's here for the first time? You weren't here this morning. <clears throat> okay, welcome, welcome. Hang on tight. Um, they think I'm joking. <laughs> this morning I was literally in second gear. I'm ready to go six, six gears, seven gears, automatic, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really packing the chairs away. <laughs> no, but uh, you guys were so beautiful this morning and so hungry for the Lord. And you, you made ministry easy because it's easy when someone says yes to Jesus. And that was so beautiful. And I shared what happened at our church about how we received a visitation from an angel Another angel gave us the invitation for revival. And I shared that 
the maturity of our church, we weren't able to follow through with what the Lord was doing. And it was a very difficult thing for me as a leader, as a pastor, to acknowledge the fact that the level of maturity in my ministry and in my church wasn't able to steward what God wanted to do. It's humbling. And I repented a lot. And when we were flying from Cape Town, the land flowing of milk and honey. Thank you, Jesus. I was sleeping on a plane, and and the next morning I just shot up, and two angels arrived, and it was the angel of your church and the angel of revival. And uh, I released this morning what I feel he wants to do. And I shared a little bit about the heart that we saw when we were on the land and we prayed on that land. And it was, it was beautiful, and I'm not going to try and repeat it. I won't be able to repeat what I shared this morning because it was just ridiculous. So I'm not going to even try. For, like it's, I'm not going to try. But what I want to do tonight is I want to say to you, many of you said yes to revival this morning. Many of you said yes, God, we want it. God, we want people's lives changed. We want to see people raised from the dead and, and the mute speaking and blind seeing. We want that stuff. I'm like, and you said yes. But yet something that is so confronting for me in Scripture, and there's one thing that I noticed and that I saw that stopped the yes in our church, that, that didn't allow people in our church to continue with their yes. See, saying yes to God is not a Sunday thing. It's not just my goosebumps on a Sunday because Connor sang so high, the skinny jeans popped off. It's not about that. It's not about goosebumps and feelings. It's, it's not about tears and snot and all that stuff. Those things are amazing and they're epic and they're cool and they're wonderful. But it's about waking up every day and saying, Father, here is my life. Use me. Father, here I am, send me, show me the dry bones, show me the valleys I need to prophesy over, show me the person I have to release your kingdom to, your purposes to, your plan to. Every day you got to choose to say yes. And I was wrestling with the Lord and I said, God, why are people not saying yes to you? What is the issue? Because I have said yes, I have paid the price. I've laid down my life for the cause of Jesus. And I do it gladly every day to see people come into the knowledge of who Jesus is. Every day, I'll do it. Every day, I see people touched, changed, transformed, delivered, set free, made whole, made righteous, filled with glory, filled with power, filled with power. The fire and the presence of Jesus every day. And I live for that. But why do other people not live for that? Why do other people feel that this is too much? This is the issue or this. No, this church worships too long. That church has got this and this church has got that. And that church's coffee sucks and this. And the person said this and they didn't greet me at the door. And it's yada, 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 yada and a bunch of rubbish. And I, and I was wrestling with God. And the Lord took me to a passage of scripture. And, I, and when I read it, I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. Because I recognize these things in my own life. And I want to say to you tonight that God wants to birth awakening in 24-7. With a name like 24-7, you've got no choice. You set yourself up by calling yourself that. Come on. Come on. And as Pastor Finney says, that's Jehovah Sneaky. Right there. You got ambushed. 
And I, I, I was reading the Bible, and uh, we were sitting on our couch, and, and Hadra was with me, and I started reading this passage out of 1 John. Now, John is the, is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the devoted one. He even called himself the one who God loves. He's a little bit arrogant. Hey, Peter, I'm the one God loves. <laughs> yeah. Go catch that, that freaking rooster, man. Just leave me alone. I'm the one Jesus loves. I'm the one that is devoted. Isn't it amazing that devotion kept him to the cross? He was at the cross when Jesus was crucified. Amazing what devotion does. Amazing what devotion does. And so I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you, and, and I want you to understand that what you said yes to. You said yes this morning, not only for awakening, but you said yes to the crucifixion of yourself. You said yes to the denial of yourself. You said yes to a life laid down for Jesus. And if, if we truly are a nation where 82% of this nation are proclaimed Christians, why does our nation look like it's looking? Why is there poverty? Why are there orphanages? Why are there broken people walking around? I, I think out of that 82%, there's probably 3 or 4% that are true sons and daughters of the Most High God. But I believe it's going to change. I believe that God is going to move in this nation like he's never moved before. The eyes of the world are on the nation of South Africa. Do you know that people that are birthing revival in nations all across the world are South African? Do you know that? That South Africans carry a tenacity to say, I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to let go until I see the God of the heavens armies move. I'm not going to let go. I, don't, I refuse. We saw it this morning. How we tapped into and we became ferocious with the things of God. Violent. I know that pastor shouts too much. I know. I, I felt so offended when he asked me to give. My gosh, man. Jesus was aggressive. He was violent. He looked at religious people and called them a pit of snakes and vipers and liars. Can you imagine I stand up at the pulpit and I start calling you the things Jesus called people? You all leave. Some of you. Kadri will stay because you, you, someone's got to carry my stuff. <clears throat> and so in 1 John chapter 2, there's this, there's this passage. <clears throat> and, and it's about John giving a new commandment. And he, and he talks about how God is calling us to maturity. You see, coming into awakening is coming into maturity. Because mature believers of God deny themselves on a daily basis to see God's kingdom come. And they care more about the purposes and the plans of God and the manifestations of who He is to people than they care about themselves. And so when you said yes this morning and you didn't mean it, you're mocking God. And so when I was in my church and I was like sitting, crying underneath the sound desk, repenting, some people thought it was the Lord calling them. Meanwhile, there's me snobbering and snickering under the sound desk. I, I think I heard someone say, yes, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's me <coughs> like choking on my own tears. That was crazy. And Because let's get to the scripture. So out of 1 John 2, and I want to say to you, this is what will stop revival. This is what will stop awakening. 
Listen to this ridiculous passage of Scripture. Do not love this world nor the things it offers. That will stop revival. It's that simple. Don't love the world. Because if you love the world, you love the ruler of it. Don't, don't worry, guys. Some of you are like, Yetta, I shouldn't have come tonight. I should have watched Siemdalan and Binalandis on repeat. Don't worry. Chill. Relax. You'll be okay. Should we take up the offering first? For the world... Now, let's read on this. It's so, do not love this world nor the things it offers... For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only cravings of physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possession. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It's that simple. That when you love the world more than you love Jesus, when you're more concerned about time than you are about His presence, when you're more concerned about what you look like, what you sound like when you worship, when you're more concerned about the opinions of people and what people will say about when you dance. I love that. David worshiped so much that his clothes became uncomfortable. Have you ever tried jumping in a skinny jean? I was like, Lord Jesus. <laughs> That's why over the last 10 years, the, the male worship leaders can sing seven tones higher. <clears throat> Those jeans are so tight. When I take my belt off, my voice deepens. <clears throat> and so we see in this passage of Scripture, we see... That God is telling us, do not love the things of this world because everything in this world is temporary. Everything you see, everything you face is temporary. And God is asking us as a people, will you fall in love with me? Will you love me so much that you will deny the things of this world? And that's, it's easy to fall in love with this world because the world is attractive. And you look at this world and you go, sure, it would be nice to have a nice car. You're not going to drive it in heaven. It would be nice to have a big house. Can't take it to heaven. It would be nice to have cool shoes. Can't take it to heaven. So why are we so concerned with things that have got absolutely no eternal value? Nothing. But what has eternal value? Devotion unto the Lamb. Day and night, night and day. Intercession before the Lamb. 24-7, someone should start a church with that name. <laughs> Come on. If we understand the thing that we are called to, do you understand that you are created to worship the King? Your very being responds to creation, responds with creation when we worship Jesus. When we sing songs, you can feel it. You can feel the frequencies of heaven. You can feel when, when we open our mouth and we praise Him, He comes. He's there. He inhabits our praises. He's there. And so this evening, I want to say to you, what are you loving? You can do great things and achieve incredible things in this world. 
But what will be remembered is your devotion unto Jesus. People see Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke led 72 million people to Jesus. I think it's 72 million. I've got the figures. It's something ridiculous. It's like, I'm like, Lord, I, I don't even speak to seven people. Like 72 million, however, 70 million. It's a ridiculous amount. But what is remembered of Reinhard Bonnke is his devotion unto Jesus. People have forgotten what he's done, but they remember there's this German man who saw a blood-washed Africa. How beautiful is that? And one of my favorite passages that wrecks me every single time is the woman who got caught in the act of adultery. And I shared it on Saturday night with the guys. And I said, this woman was caught in this position. Don't know where the dude was because he takes two to tango. It's like on her own. Don't know how that worked. But she was caught in that position. And then she meets Jesus and they want a stoner. And Jesus says, anyone without sin cast the first stone. And all the accusers leave. And Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. And we read the scripture and we, we see Jesus at the end of his life sitting with his disciples. And Judas is there. Gherki, I mean Judas. Just so you know, he was in our church. And then the Lord called him. Gerke, we love you sometimes. But I, I want to say, and this... There's Jesus with his disciples, and he's sitting there, and, he, and he's talking to them, communing with them. And in a moment, this woman bursts into the room, and tears fill the face, and she's got an alabaster jar in her hand, and she looks at Jesus. She doesn't see the eyes of judgment or condemnation from Jesus' disciples. She falls to Jesus' feet. She breaks open. This alabaster jar that she earned with being a prostitute. She brings her sin, her brokenness, her failures to the feet of Jesus. She breaks it open over his feet and she starts ministering to him. Washing his feet with her hair. And I can imagine the fragrance filled the room. A year's wages poured out at the feet of Jesus. No earthly possession can value or come above devotion. It's got no value when you encounter the king. Everything is worthless. You can throw yourself to him. That's why there's no song I can sing, no dance I can dance, no move I can make that will, be, will justify him, that will glorify him enough. But I will try and I will shout and I, will, I don't even need a Because he is worthy. And I see this woman and, and she pours out herself unto the Lamb. Preparing him for the sacrifice. Do you understand that what she did, her devotion, the Bible says will be mentioned for all eternity. What? Your devotion will be remembered in eternity. Do you understand how powerful that is? 
Do you understand that when you worship the king, heaven comes to attention and moves with you, worships with you, starts proclaiming God with you. The angels jump into choir. The next moment, there's tall angel, big angel, all the different diaphragms and all these things, some looking weird, some looking cool. And they start worshiping Jesus with us. And the cloud of witnesses looks down and there we are jumping and praising Jesus and going bosses all for him because he is worthy, pouring out our devotion unto him. And it says that eternity will remember it. So why are we concerned with things that will never be remembered? That have got no eternal value. When you live a life of devotion, your yes is very easy. It's not a hard thing. I love my wife with all of my heart. Heart is the Aussie saying. When I came back, man, I couldn't speak English. So weird, those guys. Strange bunch of people, man. You know. Wearing budgie smugglers on the beach. This is a weird thing. Yeah, and so we see this ridiculously beautiful moment. And, and this woman... Pours out devotion to Jesus. And saying yes to God is easy through the act of devotion. Because someone who is devoted will die for someone else. I love my wife. And I'm devoted to her. My devotion causes me to fix my eyes on her. I don't look at other women because I'm devoted. I don't look at other things because I'm devoted. Devotion purifies my eyes. You need to catch this. So my eyes lock into hers. And if there's obstacles in my way, I push them. It's like, I have to have you. I've got to get to you, especially on our honeymoon night. You're single. But devotion causes your eyes to be set like a flint. And you will push everything out of the way. Man, when I was courting Maxine, I would do everything. Write poems, cook food, freaking do everything. Practice salsaing. I would do everything. Why? Because I'm devoted to her and I want to keep her attention. And when anything came that took away from that, I would fight it. Because the yes in my heart produced that ridiculous devotion. And I set my eyes on her. My eyes got purified. My heart got purified. And that is what devotion does. A yes without devotion is powerless. A yes with devotion is dominion. Why is Mother Teresa so ridiculous? I'm saying ridiculous quite a lot. I sound like the people from Divin. Yeah, sound like the Durbans, the Durbanites. Yeah, they're not too, they're not too bad, the Durbanites. Hey, they're from Durban. Shh. They're from Durban. Shh. They're from Durban. And so devotion does this beautiful, beautiful thing where 
it gives you dominion and power. When my wife stands behind me, I'm like a, a peacock. Chest is out. <laughs> Devotion gives me boldness. I'm devoted to her, so I'm bold. That's my wife. I, I'm not ashamed of her. <laughs> oh, you didn't catch what I just said. Now, my love, my wife, is more devoted to Jesus than she is to me. The first year of our marriage, the biggest fights we had was so that she would stop cuddling her Bible and cuddle me. They think I'm joking. Every night I kick about three Bibles out of the bed because she sleeps with Bibles. You're not catching. Devotion is a beautiful thing. It makes the yes easy. And if you want to walk in continual awakening, continual revival, stay devoted. Stay devoted. Stay in love with Jesus. Madly in love with Jesus. Worship Him with everything. Shout, scream, rattle, roll. Do what you need to do to express your love to Him. I'm amazed at people. They watch rugby, lose their minds. Watch cricket, lose their minds. They, they, they lose their minds over stuff that's got no eternal value. But yet, we get to behold the king. It's so beautiful. And so, I want to I say tonight to us, let us not fall in love with the things of this world, but let us fix our eyes onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, what is incredible about this is that God's devotion towards us is so powerful that even when we fail, He remains faithful. Do you know what that means? Even if your eyes wander, He comes and He puts ointment on your eyes. He puts new clothing on you and says, It's okay, my son. You stumbled. I still love you, but fix your eyes again, and again, and again. Though a righteous man stumbles seven times, and again, and again. And that's this ridiculous thing with Jesus where he relentlessly pursues us. Someone should call a church that name. It's pretty cool. And he, and he, and he just comes, comes, he comes, he comes. And tonight, I can do many things. I can give you words of knowledge. I can do all of those things. I can pray for you. You can experience the power of God. All those things are incredible. But what I want to leave with you tonight is fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Him. Because that matters more than what I'm going to do. It's going to matter more what I'm gonna, what, than what I'm going to pray and scream over you or sing lullabies over Luke. But what matters is devotion unto him. It produces dominion. And God, have you ever wondered, I'm gonna let's read this passage of scripture. Go to Peter quickly. Go to the book of Peter. You guys still okay with me? Okay, we're gonna get into the cool stuff now. I'll call out some phone numbers, freak you out a little bit. See, they're not laughing anymore, Khadri. They're starting to take me serious. Okay, 1 Peter 2. And, and 
verse 9, and that we find the scripture. And if we understand the scripture, you'll understand what a yes looks like. Okay, I'm going to read it. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Say, I am, I am. a chosen people. Who's, who's the chosen people? You are. You're chosen by God. You are royal. You're, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Here's the deal. God calls us priests and kings. Have you ever wondered about that? It's a random thing to call someone. Hey, you're a priest and a king, dude. And, and we don't really know what it means. The purpose of a priest is to minister unto the Lord. The purpose of a king is to rule and reign. You must catch this. You cannot rule and reign without being a priest. When you are a priest, you minister unto the Lord. And only once you've devoted yourself to the Lord can God release dominion through you. There are too many kings without devotion. There are too many churches have become organizations instead of being kings and priests. And God is calling us. If we are, want to walk, if we want to walk in awakening, if we want to see heaven come to earth, if we want to see supernatural signs and wonders, if we want to see the dead raised and cities transformed and entire regions filled with the glory of God and the fullness of God, we have to understand what it means to be a priest, what it means to be a king. You are called to devote yourself to the ministry of Jesus, to lay your life down. And when you do that, he releases the dominion into your life so that you can rule and reign as a king. It's the only way. There's no other way. There's no quick fix. There's no, let me, let, let me go for more prayer. If people spend more time devoting themselves to Jesus, we wouldn't need counselors. We seek, come on, you got it. Because we spend more time seeking help from other people than going to the one who's called the counselor. Holy Spirit is the counselor, the parakletos, the one that walks beside you. Why do you want counseling when you can go straight to the source? It's like me complaining to Khadre about McDonald's being bad. I should go to McDonald's and say, to them, hey, you're poisoning my body. Sorry for those of you that like. McDonald's. You're leaving. Kadre, what was his nickname in Cape Town? Mr. Burger King. Open the car door and it's just Burger King. When he walked in, they called him by name. Kadre! Yeah. Half of his tithe went to Burger King. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's okay. We'll give him a marshmallow later. But you got to go to the source. Who created you? God. So when something's broken, you send it back to who? The person that made it. 
It's so simple. But you don't do it. It's so simple, but you don't do it. The gospel is simple. We complicate it. Devotion is simple. We complicate it. Ruling and reigning is simple. We complicate it. Anything that becomes complicated in Christianity often is removed from Jesus. Because when religion moves in, it crucifies Jesus in your life. That's what they did. The very people that thought that they were serving God ended up crucifying Jesus. Let us not live like that. When God moves in people's lives, when the Holy Spirit breaks out, people are getting flown through the air and all that stuff, don't sit with a critical heart. Don't sit there, oh, elke zondag rock die room aan my leven soos a paard in die week. No. Do you want me to translate that in English? Google? It's beautiful. And so tonight I want to leave you with this challenge. And I'll, I'll do a little bit of ministry. But then what I want us to do, I, I, maybe if we can, just sing a song of devotion unto Jesus. You see, you can come here tonight and you can ask me to pray for you. And it's awesome. But the, the fulfillment of your commitment will be how you walk out tomorrow. How you walk out Jesus on Tuesday. How you walk him out on Wednesday. How you walk him out on Thursday. You, I need to remember all the days of the week. Friday. Saturday. Yeah, thankfully I've got toddlers, so I have to. Monday, Tuesday. And then I still get messed up. But we'll go there. Because I want to leave you with something that will help you to carry on walking in revival. I can pray for you, you can get touched, you can rocked, you can get healed, all of those precious and beautiful things. But what is more important, that you build a life of dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not going to be at your house on a Monday night. Like, I'm not going to climb under your closet and go, Kiarabasiendelelelele. Firstly, I'd be weird if I'm in your closet because why would you put me in your freaking closet? You can't have me with you. You can't have your pastors with you. If you, you can have Jesus. That's right. You can have Holy Spirit with you 24-7. So build a life of dependency on Holy Spirit. Not on some famous preacher in tight jeans with a cool hairstyle and... Tattoo so that you can be relevant to the younger generation. No. Build your life upon Holy Spirit. Do you understand that Jesus said, I have to leave you so that I can send Holy Spirit. Now, if the king, you don't get this. If the king of kings, the Lord of heaven and earth says, I have to leave because there's one coming that will occupy your life, that will possess your being so that your temple can be holy. But why do we not give Holy Spirit the credit that is due? Why don't we allow Him to rule and reign in our lives? On Sundays, Lord, but on Monday when you're watching porn, He's not. But yet He's there. On Tuesday when you're drinking, when you're not supposed to, Holy Spirit's there. But Wednesday comes, Zoom Bible study. The Lord is my shepherd. 
But what happened to the other days? Where was Holy Spirit then? You can't keep doors locked in your temple. Holy Spirit has to have all of it or none of it. You're going to get spit out, the Bible says. Gospel is simple, church. He's either king or he's not. He either can raise the dead or he can't. Come on. We got we to gotta decide. We gotta make, that is your yes. Yes, he's king. Yes, he rules and he reigns. Yes, he has my life. For now until eternity. Yes, I'm going to sew a car. Yes, I'm going to give away a house. Yes, I'm going to lose all my shoes and lose all my clothes. You know that my wife is like that? I come home and half my cupboard's gone. Then I'm like... <laughs> you know, we were married a week and she gave away all my jeans. Because she's like, that's not a nice color skinny jean on you, babe. And I'm like, but purple is so cute. Okay, I, had, I had a pink skinny jean. And now all I'm left with is pink socks. She's given everything away. Yeah, my wife, they think I'm joking about my wife. They've got no idea. My wife looks at me and she goes, that lady needs a car. Go give her one. That person is an orphan. Adopt him into a house. It's either yes or it's not. When the king speaks, we respond. Khadri, where was I going? Come on, dude, you're not going to get your pay. Where was I going with this? Oh, Jesus is king. Possession of the Holy Spirit. And so... <laughs> took you whole weekend, but you got there. Whole weekend. Yeah, now you can have a tissue. And so tonight what I want to do, I, I want us to realize the Holy Spirit needs to possess us completely. Priest kingdom, you need to be possessed by the Holy Spirit completely. To be a priest, to be devoted, you need to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. To rule and to reign, you need to, to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that because of lack of devotion, Saul couldn't kill Goliath? Who was anointed to King Goliath? Who, who was anointed to kill Goliath? Not, uh, uh, not David. Saul was anointed to king, kill the Goliath. He was anointed as king. But when he lost his devotion unto the Lord, the Lord had to go find a shepherd boy in a bush singing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He had to go find a 13-year-old boy looking after sheep because he was devoted and said, there's the king. Devotion recognizes the kingship in you. But because Saul was so focused on material things, what do people think about me? Oh, David killed, Saul killed a thousand, David killed 10,000. What do people think of me? It doesn't matter what people think of you. David didn't care. That's why he took off his clothes. It takes me half an hour to get my jeans off, but he did it in like five seconds. Again, they think I'm joking. <laughs> and so that is what I want to do. I want to pray for you. I pray for the possession of the Holy Spirit, which will lead to a life of devotion, which will lead to a life of dominion, which will lead to a yielded yes. Someone should name a ministry after that. Every day. 
And we often see in Scripture Paul speaking of being a bondservant. Do you know what a bondservant is? No, you don't, so I'll tell you. A bondservant is someone who's a slave by choice. So to be a slave, after seven years in Jewish custom, that slave had to be released. But if you wanted to stay a slave because your master was good to you, you would go to your master's doorpost, take a nail, and nail your ear to his doorpost. And that signified you being a bondservant, a slave by choice. Are you a slave or are you a bondservant? Worshipping Jesus by choice. You've got a privilege to choose to do it this side of eternity or you're going to be forced to do it on the other side. I choose to bow my knee this side. I bow at this side. I don't want to bow it on the other side. Come on. Choose to yield to Jesus. And so... We often, and I need to touch on this, and then we're going to minister, and I'll call out some phone numbers and birthdays and do all the sparks and the butterflies. But it doesn't matter if you don't commit your heart to Jesus. And so, it's okay for, for the church to see people being demon-possessed. We, we accept that. If someone is demon-possessed, it's okay. And we're like, we cast out the demon and we got all our little rituals and our traditional dumb things we do trying to cast our demons. But the moment someone gets filled with the Holy Spirit, we judge it. That's not the Holy Spirit. You sure that's a heavenly language? You sure that person is really encountering the Holy Spirit? You sure that they really... You know how many times people tell me, you push people over, then I'm like standing four meters away from them. But I'm pushing them over. I don't have arms like a fray starter. Catches balls out of the air. People from fray starters tall, man. You know that. Lord Jesus. And so, we need to come to that place that we understand the devil can only copy, can't create. He's not a creative being. Who's a creative being? Jesus, Holy Spirit. So when people act a certain way that we perceive as being demonic, it's a counterfeit of what heaven is actually releasing. So when people shake, rattle, and roll, stop questioning the Holy Spirit. And say, Father, why aren't you touching me like that? Because if you're focused on other people, you're definitely not devoted. Because if you're devoted, where's your eyes? Where's your eyes? And so my wife went through a season where she was encountering the Lord so heavily. Like she would, we would come into her house and she would be like rolling all over the place. And I just literally like walk over her. I'm like, and I couldn't really cook, so I had to eat some noodles and then come back. And I'm like, babe, can we please just go to Coles? Because that, we were living in the street. You know Coles, eh? Do you remember the, the licorice, the red licorice? Do you know how expensive it is at this game? Please. And so I had to live off licorice because my wife was rolling on the ground. But I let her stay devoted unto Jesus. 
to this day when she preaches and she prophesies and she moves in power. People fly through the air. I didn't judge what God was doing in there. Neither should you judge when God is touching and bringing people to life. Because we need to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. We need to be overtaken by the Holy Spirit. And we are filled with judgment. Instead of saying, God, why not me? We need to become jealous for the presence of God. If God is touching Khadre, I want it. Coffee almost hit the roof. It's my tea. Ah, thank you. But yeah, you should, yeah, you must give it to me. I'll put it down there. And so my wife radically encountered the Lord. Radical, like you don't understand. She shakes like crazy, and she just screams over people. They think I'm joking. You should see her. And the power of God flows through that little woman. And I, I stand back because I'm like, sure, I hope I wash the dishes. <laughs> because a fire in her eye, and then it's like. <laughs> Do you know when my wife and I have a fight, she tries to cast demons out of me? I come out of the shower and she's waiting with the anointing oil. And then I'm like, you know, some nights I wake up and my face is wet and it's anointing oil. And there she is. Father, I call out the purposes and the plans in this man. Starts prophesying over me. And I'm like, I just want to sleep. I'm sure you've done that. She knows. Anointing oil, cooking oil, car oil, I don't, whatever. It's like, yo, my face is so shiny today. But if I judged how she works with the Holy Spirit and how she interacts with the Holy Spirit, I would not receive the blessing of her devotion. If you judge other people's encounters with the Holy Spirit... You will never receive the reward that gets released on them. Stop judging Holy Spirit and allow Him to have His church. This church doesn't belong to them. They just steward it. You can give it away anytime now. I've had enough. Coming to Cape Town. Land flowing the milk, honey. But they are stewards under the control of the Holy Spirit. They are stewarding Holy Spirit's church. How many stewards reject Holy Spirit? How many churches, signs and wonders aren't for today. Healing's not for today. Singing in tongues is not for today. We reject Holy Spirit. And so, but you guys are not like that, right? No. Mm -mm. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for Holy Spirit to be imparted unto you for the possession. And when you are possessed, you are devoted, eyes fixed unto the Lamb, and then you receive dominion to rule and reign. And then after we've done that, I'll, I'll release a few prophetic stuff over some people that have truly said yes.
Yeah, so why don't you stand to your feet? Let's stand to our feet. And see, here's the deal. You need to engage with Holy Spirit. You can leave the chairs. It's okay. Our chairs at our church are like plastic chairs. So Khadri picks up like 40 of them at once. Especially when there's girls. that's That's our church boys flexing church. Look how many chairs I can carry. Yeah. And he had to pick up he had to pick up these chairs and he even had to squat. He was just moving one. Meanwhile, Kerk is so used to his like seven on his back, one on his foot. Well done. I guess it's not a big buff picking up church chairs. And so what we're gonna do now is we're just gonna ask Holy Spirit to come. You've got to invite him to possess you. I can't do it for you. I don't have the keys to your heart. Only you do. So you've got to ask Holy Spirit to come and to move into your life. And through that, every morning, ask him to show you what a yes looks like. Maybe your yes looks like giving a pair of shoes away. Maybe your yes looks like giving a car away or praying for a cashier. Maybe your yes looks like Committing your life for full-time ministry. Maybe your yes looks like sowing a seed into a piece of property that will change a nation. Whatever your yes looks like, let it be done under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so put your hand on your heart. And I, I want you to imagine a key. See, our imaginations belong to Jesus, by the way. He didn't just redeem your body, he redeemed your mind too. And you have the mind of Christ and he's going to speak to you in your imagination. Can you see that key of your heart in your hand? Do you see it? You're allowed to say yes? Okay. I want you to take that key and put it in your heart and just unlock it. As a prophetic act, put it into your heart and unlock it. Prophets are weird, just trust me. Unlock that heart. There you go. And I want you to pray this after me. Say, Father, I want to be possessed completely by the Holy Spirit. Did you feel that? Now say it again and again and again and again until you feel it. Again and again and again and again. Possess me, Holy Spirit. Completely overtake me, overcome me. Take all of me, God. Take my hidden places. Take my secret sins. Take the dark rooms in my life. Take the places that nobody knows about. Go into my temple and cleanse it. Completely possess me, God. Remove what needs to be removed. Deliver what needs to be delivered, God. Redeem what needs to be redeemed. Holy Spirit, here I am. Take me. Take all of me. Possess me. Possess me. Possess me. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Have all of me. Have all of me. Have all. Possess me.